0: Hello, teachers, you are watching or listening to the thing that we do on Fridays with Brother Lawson and Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing?
1: Fantastic.
0: What are you going to do for fun this weekend?
1: Body train my son. Pot-
0: <laughs> Potty train your son.
1: Man. Doesn't that sound fun? That does
0: sound fun. Uh, that does you sound... Come
1: down. You should come down.
0: Maybe, maybe I will. That's... <laughs> That's a good time. That's a long time in the kitchen. Well, uh, I'm not sure how you potty train your son. We probably shouldn't go into it on our podcast here. Maybe we should just get into the scriptures. Yeah, I was not. I was not prepared to respond to your weekend plans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, teachers, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it might already be May. That's pretty impressive. I'm not sure if you know this or not, Brother Wing, but the last day of seminary for these teachers is in May, the same month that we are, the that these lessons will be taught
1: in. This is so, a big deal. Yeah, this is We're, a big deal. You're getting these teachers chunky.
0: Oh, no, not chunky. They're sprinting to the end. They are. They see the finish line, and you don't slow down when you get to the finish line. You don't start walking. Start sprinting, right? So... We've got some great uh, chapters in Luke and in John uh, with some fun parables. the The Come Follow Me lessons go Luke twelve through seventeen, and then John eleven. But the the week for seminary actually starts in Luke fifteen, uh, or at least that's what we have on the on the pacing guide uh, for you. Again, remember, pacing guide is recommended. If if you're reading through. Uh, Luke like 12 through 14 and you see a parable there that that you think is important for your students jump on that uh and and let them be a part of that you know let I'd like to say something about the parables brother wing if you can give me a moment would that be okay
1: yeah do it
0: yes so i think one of the one one way to effectively help your students learn from the Savior's parables is, and this is a reminder from we've taught parables parables before, um, is to number one have students read slowly, read the whole parable slowly, and look for details. Right, um, have them ask questions like, "What is the lesson that Jesus is being is teaching in this parable?" Maybe you could then challenge them to think about where else that sim- a similar lesson is taught in scripture, maybe even in a doctrinal mastery passage. That'd be kind of cool. But then uh, I like this question. I thought about this question and, and wrote it down. What specific actions can you take to show God that you got the message of this parable? So Jesus just didn't tell a story just because. He liked to tell stories but he told the story so that we could we could elevate uh, our understanding of the gospel and then act and act on it sometimes when people hear a story that's it's kind of um it's kind of nice because you're like oh you know he's just telling a story right now he's not telling me to change or to do anything well he is he's just telling it to you in an, in a kind of a fun little story way but each of these parables has a message that the Savior wants us to act upon. And so that's how I think I'd approach some of these parables.
1: I like that, man. We, we talk to God through prayer, but we can also communicate to Him by how we act on what He's taught. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, how would you convey to the Lord that you get the message? That's a great question.
0: Yeah, so we're not just the goal of our class this week isn't to just figure out what the parable is talking about. The goal is to act upon what the parable is, what revelation we receive from this parable. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. All right, so Brother Wing, get us started on the week here. What are we supposed to do on Monday?
1: Okay, we got Luke 15, and um, it's got this parable of the lost sheep coin and prodigal son and um, the teacher manual has ever see to... have
0: you ever seen the prodigal son movie what's your favorite line from the prodigal son movie
1: what does it mean you've been the good guy yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by that
0: that, that is a good one yeah. hopefully teachers you've seen this if not <laughs> just fast forward this part all right uh keep going okay I'm so good guy by the way i've been the good guy
1: Yeah, I've been been the prodigal. I need a rag or (laughs) something. All right, so you got the, I like the first verse of chapter 15. So this is where I personally, as I'm preparing to teach, I'm like, look at what catches my eye. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. I mean, so publicans and sinners sounding pretty good. They're drawing near to Jesus, like they're listening to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm reading into this, but it sounds like they have, they're attracted to something about Jesus, what he's teaching, how he shows love for everybody. I don't know, but um, they drew near to, to hear him. And so is Jesus going to teach them? Well, he does, you know, but the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Like, I, I know that back in the day when you would eat, a meal with someone it was like a a fellowship you know um, right. there and so maybe that's why the pharisees and scribes are offended by this but if they think jesus is a sinner anyway then why are they offended you, you know?
0: know i think i think that statement i was i just kind of chuckled to myself as i read verse 2 because i don't think that there is a more truer statement that the pharisees and scribes have ever uttered right and i think it's kind of the theme of chapter 15 is this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Like, yeah, you are teaching truth. This man does receive sinners. <laughs> and, and, and he's going to spend some time with them. And I think that, I think the thought that came into my mind is when when they said that, then Jesus starts in on these parables, uh, or or we have these parables recorded in Luke about um, about finding that which is lost uh receiving going out and and grabbing that which is lost in some in some ways and so i actually i really like that the pharisees i know they murmured when they said it but i like when they said this man receiveth sinners like high five you figured it out that's right
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah you finally said something true but since you're freaking out about it and bothered by it let me tell you a story and then you yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> OK, so that I think those first two verses are good for background, you know, to help the students kind of um, see what, as Joseph Smith taught, you know, what drew out the parable. Like and so we're going to we're going to have an easier time understanding and applying this parable when we can kind of see the background of what drew it out. I do like the teacher manual, you know, they, every once in a while, the teacher manual brings a pretty fun yeah. idea to yes. there and, and it said on a one to 10 scale, how much would you want? the following and so then it says your favorite dessert okay and then it says your favorite dessert if it fell on the floor and then it's like your favorite dessert if someone stepped on it yeah you know? and I'm so still you a 10 say, on all of these things still a 10 on all of those. <laughs> and then it's like then it goes with like a 20 bill 20 dollar bill if it fell on the floor a 20 dollar bill if someone stepped on it and you can see then it's like how might this relate to the worth of individuals? So it's kind of an interesting way. I think you could ramp this activity up just a little bit by actually bringing a donut, offering it to a student, and then before you give it to them, drop it on the floor. And then as they go to reach for it anyway, then you step on the donut and then ask them how much they want it. And then the only reason that will backfire is because I guarantee there's some freshman boy that will still eat it. That's
0: going to be me. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) <laughs> Make sure you're wearing some boots, some old muck boots or something to, when you step on
1: it. <laughs> yeah. So you may or may not want to use that activity, but it is an interesting way to introduce this idea and what Jesus is conveying that the worth of souls is great um, in his eyes. And when one is missing, he, it is very, very, um, aw- the, Jesus is aware of the right. one. Um, that's missing and so uh, one way that you could go through this is to let the students read each each part individually so you got three through eight about the sheep and then eight through ten about uh, the woman losing the coin and then you've got the rest of the story about the prodigal son and it'd be interesting to then ask questions about all of the details, like say, okay, let's go, let's, we've learned from this. We, we maybe have some certain principles that we've got and they could talk about those. And then to then go to a deeper level, you could ask questions like what's significant about the numbers, you know, 110, 2. And then as um, a speaker in general conference pointed out, the most significant number one you know so you could talk about that you could also say what's what do we learn from the nature of the thing that was lost like a sheep or a coin or a, a, a human being, a son you know like so um I've heard many people kind of point out like typically a sheep doesn't just, rebelliously get lost and when they've realized that they're lost, a sheep would want to be with the group, you know, that they're not like.
0: I get well, sheep just, <laughs> they put their head down and start eating. It's like me at Golden Corral. I look up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been here for five
1: hours. What's- Where's my family? <laughs> Where's my family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, and you can, we can kind of relate to this, you know, you did, we weren't trying to do something bad, but next thing you know, you're kind of in a bad spot. Um. The coin is this is another interesting one to think about the nature of it, because the coin doesn't lose itself. It's 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 lost out of neglect or carelessness of other people, you know. And so um, and it's the full responsibility of the loser, the one that lost the thing to say, that didn't sound right. But, the loser to go and reclaim the thing that they had lost, you know. And then in the case of in, in stark contrast is the prodigal son who has, has willfully chosen to step away and rebel. And now that the dad is not going to treat the prodigal son like a coin and go get him. The dad is just going to lovingly pray and wait for the son to return. Um, as it's been the son's full choice to do this, um, yeah. this thing. So the, depending on how someone is lost would be depending on the course of action and how we would take to go about this. Anyway, I'm kind of elaborating here, but this would be a question that I, these, all these answers that I'm giving here, I would not give to my students. I would just be, I would just ask the simple question, what, they come up what do we learn from the nature of the thing that was lost? And then just see what they, um, what they talk about. It might be, a third one might be to say, what do we learn from the nature of the thing of the person who lost the thing, the shepherd or the woman <laughs> or the father, you know that there might be another detail where where we can learn more from these um, stories that way.
0: Yeah, so I my idea was similar to that. What you just mentioned at the end there is, especially with the the parable the prodigal son is going to be a little bit longer, but you can do it with all three of these parables, and it might be kind of fun in your class. Is give your students let them take on the role of someone in that parable. So let them take upon take on themselves the role of the dad. Uh, or the son that never left his dad, or the prodigal that, that wasted his inheritance and, and came back, and just have them read, looking for details, ask them, what are the lessons you're learning from the dad? What are the lessons you're learning from the son who stayed? What are the lessons that you're learning from uh, the son who left? And again, what specific actions can you take to show God that you got the message of this parable, or that you got a message from from that parable you know um i i remember i remember studying luke 15 when i was a teenager and i remember it kind of bothered me it, it bothered me that um the problem the parable of the prodigal son because i'm like yeah the, the guy that was you know that was there never left his dad and stuff he he really was the good guy and was and all of a sudden his dad's having a big party for the guy that went out and sinned and stuff and And what is the message here that God's gonna that the Lord's gonna rejoice over the sinner return that returns and He's not really rejoicing over me? And then I remember, (laughs) I remember specifically thinking, what What makes me think that I'm the that I'm not the prodigal son, or what makes me think that I'm not the one lost sheep? And I think for me, that was the message of those parables is that I really am the prodigal son and I really am that one sheep. I'm not the one that uh, I'm just, I mean, what does it say about the, in those lost sheep? Um doesn't it say the 99 just sheep. I think he said the, um I can't remember where it was. Um who need no word.
1: repentance?
0: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. I can't remember where I read that, but um, but yeah, I I'm that one. I'm the prodigal, and so I'm. like, Oh, I do fit in here because <laughs> I'm I'm the lost coin, and so uh, whereas I think oftentimes I thought, okay, my job is to find the lost coin. I'm going to sweep the house and look all over and see if I can find that, lost. and then. I had the realization. Oh, I am the coin. So I think that your students, uh, if they can take upon the role, that they can put themselves in the parable, they can learn from, they can learn from the prodigal son. They can learn from the dad. They can learn from the son that that always stayed. But they can also learn about, you know, you're the ninety, you're one of the ninety-nine. You're the one of the one. Um, you're the shepherd. What are you learning here? And I think that they can have some pretty good insights uh,
1: in Luke 15 for that. Yeah. One Any, more idea is that, yeah, you know, that teaching, uh, format where you, it's for, with, by, like you, mm-hmm. you do it for them, then you do it with them. And then, then you kind of sit by them as they do it uh, by themselves. And you could do that with, here. You could, you could take verses three through eight and kind of for them, you, like you say, here's, here's how you can take this part. Let's talk about the sheet. Here's some insights. I'm just going to boss you around, tell you what's going on here. Then with eight through 10, let's read this together. Okay, now what do you think? Let's figure this out together and do it with them. And then you set up scripture feasting and just say, okay, you start at verse 11. I know, you know, the story of the prodigal stun, but now you go in it, you go into it with this, with this concept to like really get some deeper principles here uh, and think of ways that you can show the Lord that you've got this message. You know, what is the message and how are you you going to act on that? Let them kind of do it by themselves then and then report back what they found. That might be another way to walk through this. And I do want to throw out a couple more insights that might be helpful. You know that phrase that people love in verse 17 where it says, when he came to himself? Yeah. I thought, for the first time, I thought, what's the opposite? Like, or what, or where was he before he came to himself? How would you use that wording he was, when he when he left himself before he was was he not with himself before yeah. he came to himself you know like i don't i don't know exactly how to say it but i think the the thought that he came to himself i think i think going with the wording there to say something else like when we're when we are rebellious um to the lord and we we know that we're doing the wrong thing and we do it anyway Mm -hmm. We're not really with ourselves. There's this total conflict within ourselves. We're we're going against the light of Christ. We're not really acting who we really are. And so I don't know exactly how to say the part lining up with this wording, but it is worth pondering on to think about when when you kind of accept reality and choose to take responsibility, we come to ourselves. But the opposite is a really terrible place. And we're not ourselves.
0: I, I really like the uh, the footnote there for uh, that undercame Psalms one nineteen fifty nine. 59. And you know, I'm not a big psalm guy, but I like the verse 59 where it says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I think you might be able to have a pretty good uh, discussion with your students of um, of times that they have felt like they've come to themselves that they've thought on their ways and turned, like what they don't need to talk about what they've what they did wrong, but what was that experience like for them or for people that they knew? What's it like to think how do you think upon your ways and and how do you turn your feet to to testimonies that you've heard before? I think that might be kind of a, a cool discussion.
1: Hey that's a good um, take effective righteous action idea. Isn't there oh, yeah. kind of like a slang phrase? like, like is, put your <laughs> put your body where your uh heart is or something like put your feet where you put your feet where your heart. they say it in a different way and i'm not going to say the word but um <laughs> but it's like get get basically the concept is is let your actions correspond with what you know is the right thing, yeah. you know. Maybe that's that's coming to yourself. I
0: think that's exactly what they say on the streets, the mean streets of Fayetteville. I think is, that's yeah, the,
1: the rough point. the rough streets of Rogers. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, Excellent. one one other idea. Yeah, what else you got? How is the other son, the one that stayed, the supposed good son? Yeah. How is he? Because prodigal means wasteful. Yeah, and how is this good son wasteful?
0: Yeah who who is the prodigal in this story in this parable?
1: And so we can see that the 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 younger son here has uh, squandered money his the inheritance of his father, which would be super offensive to the father. Like basically, I I want what I get when you're dead. You're basically dead to me now. You know I want that. It's very offensive. And then he goes and squanders all that money, and so you can see how that's wasteful. But in a different way. The other son, the older son, is wasteful, and that might be interesting to identify and talk about that type of waste.
0: I like that. Maybe we should start calling it the parable of the prodigal sons. Mm. And so, and why does it have to be sons? Maybe it could be children. I mean, we don't want the girls leaning back to say, "Oh, eh, this lesson isn't for me."
1: So, <laughs> all right, we've got
0: uh, we've got Luke seventeen. Uh, but just the just the verses about the um the the 10 lepers that were that were cleansed uh obviously i i think i think your students will like this i think they'll they'll pick up quickly that one of the one of the lessons one of the obvious lessons in there is that of being grateful um it's it's interesting there's I was thinking about this actually today when I was driving. I was thinking, what is the difference between being grateful to and grateful for? I was thinking about my own prayers. I'm not sure I've ever prayed where I haven't offered thanks for something. Um, but but I don't know how often I uh, I offer just my thanks to God. Sometimes I oftentimes I'm like I, I thank God for all these things, but but I think it's important to be thankful to god and i think that's one of the messages here in um in the in the story of these these lepers who were cleansed so i think there's more lessons that your students will be able to pull out of there and that that's kind of what's fun especially if you have a a little bit bigger class like five or six kids they might have more lessons you could you could say all right here's here's one lesson let's get another one uh out of the story here and see see what depths they can plumb of the story how would
1: you approach this brother yeah there's a cool idea to think you know hey on monday we talked about these these three ideas with the lost thing and what's the big what's the most important number in that and it's one i'm like okay well here's going to be another one out of 10 right um that shows up but it's kind of the flip of it and we wish it was 10 out of 10 but it's just Mm -hmm. one you know so so what's going on here? And so then they could they could read this story and see what's what's taught. You know, I was really fascinated by verse 14. Um. OK, so verse 12 says they stood afar off. Right. And so this might be the context that the students might need to understand why are the lepers standing afar right. off. That's what they were supposed to do because they don't want to infect other people. Right. Uh, or, well, really, because other people didn't want to be infected by them. That's. Those are the rules that they had um, for them. So they stood afar off, lifted up their voices. They're kind of afar off and yelling out to Jesus. And verse 14 says, when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, how are they going to show themselves to the priest if they're supposed to be standing afar off? You know, and they're not supposed to be making contact with other people. How is this going to happen? You know, Um, so it seems like Jesus is telling them to do something that they're not supposed to do. Um, and yet this is the point that they're going to, and it came to pass that as they went, yeah, they were cleansed. And so in the process of doing the thing, taking action, then they're healed, you know? So this is another place where we can help our students to be like, it's not so much what you're learning here. <clears throat> it's what you're going to do with it that really matters. And, and so as they went, they were cleansed. And I'm thinking, I started thinking about other times when this maybe could could specifically apply today. Leprosy may not be something that our students can relate to or think about really um, in their life, but in a small way, you know, what if you're sitting in sacrament meeting and testimony meeting and you just feel prompted, you know, to go bear your testimony and you're like, well, I don't know what to say. But as you went towards the podium, the Lord gave you the words, you know, or I think about priesthood holders, Melchizedek priesthood holders giving a priesthood blessing and they might, I don't know what to say when I'm given a priesthood blessing. And yet as, as they go about the process and they, and they've been living worthily of this and they start speaking words, then, then the Lord can uh, put the words in their mouth that, that he wants said in that instance. And so, and then there's other times where we don't know what to say to someone who's struggling, but we just walk over to them because we know they're struggling and we just try, you know, and or we're we don't know what to do with our church calling. And yet we just go forward or right. I know we got seminary teachers who are like showing up in class and they're like, I don't know how this lesson's going to go, but you just go and try and the Lord then can touch it and make it shine. He can heal as we go.
0: There's a great story from general conference that what you were sharing reminded me of. It was in conference years ago and I'm going to have to find it, but it's about these guys that were um, firefighters that were, they parachuted into an area where there was a fire and they and they were told when you parachute, go to the top of this mountain and call us on the radio, uh, call down to the base and we'll tell you where to go. So they landed, they got on top of the, the mountain and they couldn't, nobody was responding. They couldn't get radio signal. And so they just stood on top of the mountain while the fire raged below and all these places. They just stood there for hours. And finally, one guy, one of the firefighters just walked down the mountain just a little ways and just for fun tried out his radio and got a hold of the base camp. And they're like, Where are, where have you guys been? We've been waiting to have you uh, contact us. And they're like, Well, we've been trying to, but we didn't have reception. Uh, in that time, it was too late for them to save what they needed to save. All they needed to do was start or start walking in any direction and they would have been able to get the signal. I think the similar thing with these lepers, they just needed to walk to the priests and luckily they did, which I think is remarkable that they did. And, uh, and I, think, I think we could focus on uh, ingratitude or whatever of the nine that didn't come back, but we could also focus on the faith of those 10 who just heard Jesus, you know, he saw to them and yelled to them, Hey, go show yourself to the priests. And, and it worked. So I like that. That's great. Okay. Um, Anything else in Luke 17?
1: No, but can we talk about stuff before this story? I guess, I guess we can. Okay. So teachers, here's the deal. You got Monday, Luke 15, Tuesday, Luke 17 on the calendar that we've got. You got two lessons for John 11, part one and part two, which would be Wednesday and Thursday. And then you got a doctoral mastery review and a kind of a prep for the the assessment as well. That's on Friday. So here's a possible idea. You may look at Luke 16 and realize this might be worth worth some time. You can you can combine it with. This the the part with the uh, ten lepers story, if you want, um, or you can make it its own lesson. You could end up combining the two John lessons, part one and part two, if you look at that. That might be one one thing you want to do. Um, anyway, here's just an idea. The end of Luke 16 is really cool, like this story about Lazarus and the yeah. um, the, rich the beggar named Lazarus, which died, and then there was a rich man that died, and and they go to the spirit world. And, um, and then they got this really interesting story here about the rich man wanting to warn others. And it's just, it's just a great story. And it's a great story about scripture study because the rich man who goes, who's tormented, wants his five brothers to be warned. And then um, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Well, they're, how are they going to hear them? The only way that they would hear them is through scripture study, you know, and then the rich man says, nay, father Abraham, but if one went from them from the dead, they will repent. Like, look, let's have like an appearance from the dead, like this Lazarus, this, this poor man, this beggar in his mortal life who was mistreated and not helped. He could go back and warn them and that would shock them and freak him out and make him repent. And then the, the story concludes, and he said unto him, if they not, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they refuse to study the scriptures, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So even if I send somebody from the dead, it's just going to scare them, but they're not going to repent without scripture and the Holy Ghost um, to help them. So that's a And then the story ends, you know, that's it and i think it'd be cool to have like a verse 32 on that and just what happens what's so what's the what's the message <laughs> here you know like what you're saying before so have the students then write like and and it came to pass or and thus it was or right you know. <laughs> um but this is a great story um it's it involves the spirit world a little bit it um helps us understand the purpose of life but it really emphasizes the value and purpose and essential role of scripture study. Excellent.
0: Excellent. I like that. There's some great, I like in in Luke 16, that first parable too, the parable of the unjust steward, that could blow some students' minds about how how he acts and how he's told how wise he is and very resourceful.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the first part of Luke 17 is also another cool place that's worth considering so many cool places. Um, because it talks about forgiving. You know, I, um, I did some research on sycamore trees. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, what did you find out? Because seventeen six says, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, "Be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you." So he had talked about how we don't want we want to forgive trespasses. Um. And and then the the apostle said in verse five, increase our faith. They're like, oh, man, this is going to be hard, you know, (laughs) increase our faith. And then the Lord said, gave this point about about these sycamine trees. And so um, here's the the thing. They're very large and have a deep root structure. Mm -hmm. They grow very quickly and easily. Yeah, that's true. They can grow in nearly any climate. They're the preferred wood in building caskets and coffins. And the fruit is very bitter to eat. So is this not the perfect illustration for anger, bitterness, refusing to forgive? You know? And so, but with faith, these things can be uprooted and cast into the sea, you know, just completely gone from us.
0: I had sycamore trees in my front yard growing up as a kid. Did you know that? I didn't. and those things, it's true, those things grow, like you plant one, you've basically planted a hundred. I mean, you have to pull out these, true when you plant one, there's a million others that are going to start popping up everywhere. And and it's true, they're, you know, they're not, they're okay to look at, but they're not use, useful for any, I mean, they don't provide any shade, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that they why they would use their wood for caskets because let's use the cheapest wood we're just throwing this wood in the ground so let's use this cheap wood to do it so Uh, there's your botany lesson for today you can see what (laughs) i think there's some symbol i think there is some great symbolism there why jesus
1: chose to refer to that Uh, so teachers this is just a place where if you have like if if you feel like you want to throw this in you feel like this would be useful for your students you might just Mm -hmm. say you know, show them a picture of a, sycamine tree, a sycamore tree and and uh, give them these details about it. And then just have them read those first six verses of Luke 17 and just right. see what they come up with.
0: So speaking of letting the students just read, like I really think like John 11 uh, verses 1 through 46 are going to be some of the most powerful verses in the New Testament. I think your students will read I'm waiting about that statement for the wing.
1: Hard to argue with.
0: This is a great. This is a great story, and there's so many lessons. And this is here's a little teaching tip for you. Um, there's so many great lessons in here. We don't want to kind of pigeonhole our students and make them think that, you know, there is just this one lesson they need to learn from these forty six verses that they're going to read in in John chapter eleven, uh, where Jesus is going to testify of the resurrection. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I'm just thinking right now. I'm thinking of a hundred different lessons. I don't even want to mention uh, all of the lessons I learned from this because it'll just—I don't—I don't want to set the course of the river. Although I will mention this one because it goes along with what we were saying before. I—I I love that when Lazarus is raised from the dead, um, Jesus has others roll the stone away. It, it kind of goes along with what I'm teaching here. That's point of what I'm teaching. He has others roll the stone away. He has others un um, unwrap him. Jesus could have done all of that, right? But he wanted people, he wanted his students to have that experience, right? So we also, we can learn from Jesus's teaching example in chapter 11, that let's give the students the opportunity to unwrap Lazarus, to to roll away a stone uh, and, and have that experience for themselves. There, see how I tied it in?
1: That was that was good. Did Masterful. you plan ahead on that? That was I did. Was I explosive. yes.
0: Yes, I planned way ahead. <laughs> so but yeah, I would just give I would let my students just do just pure scripture feasting. Here, pick a question, get going in the, in verses one through 46, because there's just so many great things uh in verses one through 46.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there you, are what else and, would you do, Brother Wing? I don't know. I don't know. After that, it's like, read the verses there. The teacher manual provides several uh, principles, uh, but there's more than even the ones that are mentioned in the teacher manual that are lessons that can be learned from this. I really love the idea that it almost, it seems like the Lord deliberately delayed his arrival there, uh, even though there's suffering and there's a, you know, Martha and Mary both, Think that if Jesus had arrived sooner, that he wouldn't have died. But now it's too late, supposedly, um, and it seems that Jesus again is going to provide a miracle that is just too much for the haters to consider. Yeah. And this is another one. And this is this is going to really lead to Jesus's death. Um, in fact, the very end of chapter eleven if you want to know what's really going on with the, the yeah the bad guys, the Jewish leaders that are in opposition to Jesus, it really exposes clearly right why they hate him, why they are opposed to this. Why would they freak out when the blind man was healed? You know, this is why, you know, and now this one is just, they can't handle this for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I love his disciples all throughout the new Testament, his disciples, um, especially the in the JST I think it was Bob Matthews that said in the Joe Smith translation Jesus looks even better uh and his disciples look even worse <laughs> so but the um but the disciples are saying hey it's probably a good idea if uh if if Lazarus sleeps because you know Jesus says, and Jesus has to say okay Lazarus is dead all right <laughs> to, they, they're trying to uh he's like our friend Lazarus sleepeth but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep oh no I think it's good if he stays asleep I think that might be good for him it might help him get better okay Lazarus is dead you guys are not picking up on the on what I'm teaching you here so yeah, because can, can relate to that as teachers yeah <laughs> to the lord
1: because that the girl that was 12 that yeah that she slept yeah even though she was dead yeah and so I suppose they could have picked up on that and been like, "Yeah, oh, he <laughs> sleeps, huh?" You know. But. Oh, that's okay. All right,
0: so that's all I got for John 11. Uh, we do have is it the last day the um, the learning activity, aka the assessment,
1: uh, which will be on Monday, May eighth. Right. This, at least on the calendar, that's when we've got that, that it's a class activity that you'll, mm-hmm. you'll kind of see the lesson for it as you go to the appendix of your teacher right. manual, but you can prep for that a little bit on Friday. Right. Good.
0: All right. Do we got anything else we need to tell the teachers? Okay. Well, teachers, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the thing we do on Fridays. We only have a few more of these until brother wing and i are gonna what will we do on fridays brother wing without this podcast
1: be sad and stuff
0: (laughs) yeah we'll probably
1: just be sad all right teachers we love your guts stay righteous